What if his people prayed? Hey everybody, welcome back to Extreme Makeover Prayer Edition. Uh, right now we are in the living room and we want to show you all the exciting changes and renovations we've made. So uh, I think Margie's going to like this one. Hey Margie. Hi. What do you think? Um. So, let me ask you a question. Okay. Have you ever met your neighbors? No, I, I never really, I mean, you just kind of come and go. I haven't either, until today. Oh. Welcome. Hi. Oh, hi. Yeah, so we decided that you shouldn't really be doing things alone sometimes. You need the help of friends. And your neighbors have agreed to come over every once in a while and just spend time with you. Thank you. Anytime. We don't want you to feel lonely. Okay. Is that for me? Yeah, but it's probably a little bit cold. All right, guys, on to the next room. She got me my neighbors as friends and then didn't even offer me the tea. I'm going to drink my tea. And it is cold. Didn't even give me a chance to drink it hot. To his dad just bringing, casting what all our care upon him. And just praying however simply it is. And like the father, when the child brings the little drawing from art class, no matter how ugly or funny it may be, the dad always loves it, hangs it on the fridge. God loves simple prayer. That's the foundation of our prayer. But then we're going to move up to the second room. And the second type of prayer is structured prayer. Okay, Structured prayer, which we agreed is like the kitchen. Because we need to go to the kitchen three times a day and fill ourselves. Well, structured prayer, we like the simple, but we like to have structure where we go and have set times for prayer and set prayers that we say. And we agreed that if we want to become the image and likeness of God, we want to have that image of God restored within us and we want to be like Christ, then we need to have regular times we're going in front of God so we can be transformed by his goodness. We did the simple prayer, the structured prayer, and then we realized, actually, you know what? There's something that's it's important. If we're going to enter this house after being outside all day, it's very important that we pass through and clean ourselves before we walk into the house. We said that represents what kind of prayer? Repentant prayer, okay? We can't just come with all of our dirt and filth from outside. We want to come and we want to hang out. We're going to shower first. We're going to clean ourselves up first. We're going to have a spirit of repentance so we can enjoy the other rooms because you're not going to have fun in those other rooms if you're all dirty and nasty. Like no one's going to have fun if that's the situation. And then we said that the, the next room of prayer is the office, all right? Because one of the great things about being a child of God is that we have a dad who's maybe busy in his office, but we can always go knock on his door and we can always say, hey, dad, give me some advice. Or, hey, dad, guide me in this. Or, like I said, the words that every dad longs to hear from his children, hey, dad, tell me story. Tell me more. Every dad loves to hear that. And we said that is what kind of prayer that is? Praying through scripture. All right, and that's where we go to the Word of God and we say, hey, God, like, just, just talk to me and tell me, teach me. And every dad loves to share knowledge with his kids, and God is no different. Then we got to last week. And last week, as you see, we're getting tougher and tougher and more challenging. Last week was the toughest week so far. Last week, the topic of prayer was Thanksgiving prayer, praise prayer. And that's what we said is hard because oftentimes our feelings will say, don't be thankful, don't be appreciative, don't praise. It, our feelings will say complain, be bitter, be resentful, but we're going to go against our feelings and we are going to offer up to God thanksgiving and praise because he is worthy of it. We agreed last week that all the things that we say, our theology is put to the test in prayer. We say that we know all things work together for good to those who love God. Well, if you say it, if you believe it, thank God. We say that we believe that he is almighty and always with me no matter what, and nothing's outside his control. Well, if we say it and we believe it, then we put it to the test by thanking him even when we don't feel it. That was the hardest week of prayer so far, but this week we're going to get to even harder level, harder level of prayer. Because last week's prayer was tough. Last week's prayer was required kind of going outside myself. This week's prayer requires not just going outside myself, but sacrificing myself. Because today what we're going to talk about is intercessory prayer. Not praying for myself, but the importance and need to pray for others. Last week, there was a little bit of for myself in Thanksgiving prayer. It was a little bit. 
Okay, because we agreed that at least there's joy that comes from focusing on the good and the positive. So there's some benefit. Today, there's no benefit for myself. Today, the only benefit is going to be for people outside of myself. And that's why, like I say, today's prayer is a tough prayer. And that's why the room that's associated with today is the living room. Because what's the living room in every house? It's kind of that room that's over there. And you don't really go in there alone. Anytime you go in, you have someone with you. And generally someone that you care about or that you like, because if you didn't like them, you'd slop them down anywhere. But if someone that's important, someone that you care about, you want to show them, you bring them to the living room. Well, we need to have a living room in our house of prayer, a place that when we have a guest or someone that we care about, that we take them to this room and we bring them in there in prayer with us. And that's what we're going to talk about is intercessory prayer. Some of you are thinking to yourselves, I barely pray for myself. Why, do, why should I start praying for others? Well, I'm going to try to talk to you today and convince you that, in fact, that when you pray for others, remember, this house of prayer is leading up to what room is next week? Next week is the pinnacle. What's, what, what's the room? The bedroom, which represents the intimacy with God. I want you to see that in order to get there, you have to pass through this living room. And if you don't have a spirit of intercessory prayer, and intercessory prayer isn't something that's part of your life, it is going to prohibit you from having full intimacy with Christ. Hold on with me, and I'll try to prove that to you by the end here today. Where's intercessory prayer coming from? What's the significance of it? What, what, why do we need to have intercessory prayer? We're going to be very structured today. We're talking about the need. We're going to kind of go through, as you see on your outline, very systematically. I'm going to start with the need to intercede. All right, then we'll go through the duty and the tools and all that kind of stuff. I read a nice quote in a book. It said, if you truly love, I'm sorry, if we truly love people, we will desire for them far more than it is within our power to give them. Would you agree with that statement? If we truly love people, we will desire for them far more than it is within our power to give them. This will lead us to intercessory prayer. The starting point of intercessory prayer is not, why do I have to do it? Why is this my job? Why is this my duty? Why should I? The starting point is not those things. The starting point is, are there people in the world that I care about and that I love? Family members, friends, my church, my friendly neighborhood priest. Are there people that I care about in this world? And if there are people that I care about and I want good for them, there's going to come a point in time when the good that I want for them will exceed my ability to give them. I can only, like I'll just use myself as an example, you can only do, like you can do good for me, you can do nice things for me, but only to a certain point. But prayer can raise the roof on the good that you can do for me and for one another and for the homeless guy outside and for the kids who are suffering from abuse and from the marriages that are broken. You can only do so much for any of those things. But when prayer is involved in the picture, then all of a sudden what you can do grows exponentially. For example, I'll give you an easy example that's led me to prayer these days. I got a kid in third grade. These days we are doing times tables. So I had to bust out. I was pretty good on 1 through 10, but 11s and I don't know why you got to know the 11s and 12s, okay? So the 12s especially throw me for a loop every now and then. So this has, and they throw my kid for a loop. So this has led me to intercessory prayer. Because as much as I want my kid to be able to be calm during the test, I know that I cannot give him calmness during the test. But because I love him and I desire him to be cool, calm, and collected when she starts sprouting out 10 times 11 and all this kind, when she starts getting these things, got to get him in two minutes, I want him to be calm. There's only so much I can do, but prayer gives me the ability to do more. Dumb example, but my question to you is, what do you want to do for others? Or better, what do you think God wants to do for others? The starting point on the need to intercede, why we need to, is because the truth of the matter is whether you believe it or don't believe it, whether you can accept or don't accept it, whether you've experienced or can't experience, truth is we can make a difference. And this is the fundamental point of intercessory prayer, is our prayers make a difference. As I said, there are marriages that are hanging by a thread these days. Your prayer can make a difference. I'm not talking about your own. Other people's marriages. You can advise. You can give books. You can give seminars. Your prayer can make a difference. There are kids who are in really tough situations, being abused at home. 
your prayers can make a difference. There are people, and I'm not talking about in Africa or across, I'm talking about people here just looking around. There are people here, young people, single people, married people, whatever kind of people, who are really struggling and are really desperate and are really at a point of, of, of close to giving up on God and losing hope. Your prayers can make a difference in those people's lives. Do we like it that our prayers make a difference for others? Do you like it or you don't like it? I'll be honest. I think a piece of us wishes that our prayers didn't make a difference. You know why? Because it gives us an excuse to do nothing. I feel guilty when I pray for someone and I see the effect of that prayer. Because then I feel guilty like I should have been praying a lot more. And there's so many other people that I should be praying for. In a way, we wish that, okay, prayer doesn't do anything. That way I'm free. I did my best. It's not my responsibility. No, God has given to us the key the key to making a real difference in this world, and that's prayer. And if we don't use it, we'll be held accountable for it. Does prayer make a difference? James 5, 16, the Bible thinks prayer makes a big difference. It says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. This is the theme verse for intercessory prayer. Why should we pray? Because the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And in case you don't believe me, let me show you. There's a guy named Elijah who you might be saying, Elijah was a superman. The Bible says Elijah was not a superman. Elijah was a, was a man with a nature like ours. He had 10 fingers and 10 toes. He had two eyes. He had everything just like us. But Elijah, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And just to show you that it wasn't a fluke, he later prayed, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and shows the power of true intercessory prayer. This, that's what I'm saying, is this room is not for the faint-hearted. This room is not for your weekend warrior in prayer. The person who just wants God to bless my life. That person, if that's your attitude towards prayer, bless me every now and then, just kind of show up and pray every now and then. You just, you stay on the first floor, you visit the family room, okay, but you're not going to make it to the living room. Because the living room of prayer is hard work, and it's not for the faint of heart. The living room of prayer is for people who look around and see evil, or see bad and say, not on my watch. People who look around and see that there's a problem in the church. There's, there's something that's going on in the church that's not right. And people who say, that's my responsibility. I'm going to pray about it. I'm not going to tackle the person with a problem, but I'm going to pray about it. That that couple is struggling. That's my problem. Not on my watch that they're going to go down without a fight. That there are people who are treated unfairly and abused. There are weak people, children. There are all kinds of people in need of prayer, and I don't even want to take it to that, that grandiose level. I'm talking about even at a common level. There's a friend of mine who's sad. There's a friend of mine who's feeling down, who's feeling despair. That's my problem. That's what intercessory prayer needs, that kind of attitude. Let's go through. That was the need and see why, because we can make a difference. But God... Because God knows that things, you know, it's like that's kind of like the why we should. But then God kind of takes us step by step. So let's go through the duty to intercede and see why, even if we're not necessarily feeling that I can pray for others, like let's see what God says about it in his word, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. The overarching principle of Scripture from day one of the Bible, before there was the law given before anything, overarching principle is that the strong should support the weak. Agree or disagree? It's always been that way. From the very beginning, God said those who are strong should support those who are weak. Those who are rich should help the poor. Those who can, those who can't. And that's why if you look in the very beginning, just the other day for those who are still doing the Our Daily Bread and they're, and they're praying through Scripture, their quiet time, the other day came from Leviticus, I think it was chapter 19, where God gave the rules of farming. And God said, you rich, you farmers, when y'all harvest, you don't take all the crops. Y'all remember that? He said, leave the back corner and just leave it. Why? Because there's some people who don't have land, who don't have crops, you leave it for them to come and pick. And there was, that's seen throughout the Old Testament, that the strong should support the weak. In the Old Testament, praying to God was not something that everybody could do. Because the Old Testament is different than the New Testament. The Old Testament, there was a wall between God and man because Christ had not yet come and torn down that middle wall. So there was a wall. Not everyone could pray. So God said, these people need prayer. My children need prayer. 
They can't pray for themselves, so I need to designate a group of people. You guys, your job is to pray for them. Old Testament, Exodus 28, verse 29. So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel on his breastplate, on the breastplate of judgment over his heart. And when he goes into the holy place as a memorial before the Lord continually. So Aaron, Aaron is the, it was the high priest. So it was the job of the priest to bear the names of the children of Israel on his heart. So Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel over his heart before the Lord continually. It was Aaron's job. God said, Aaron, I'm giving you the ability to come and speak to me. You don't just come and care about yourself. You have a duty to carry your children, to carry my children, your brothers and sisters in prayer as well. That's why later on, a uh, future priest for Samuel chapter 12, this is many years later, Samuel was a priest and Samuel said this. He said, moreover, as for me, far be it for me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Samuel says that it's not just like out of the goodness of my heart that I pray for you. It is my job to pray for you. And if I don't pray for you, I'm going to be sinning. This verse hits me hard. Why does this verse hit me hard? Because I got the same job. I'm a priest. Agree with me. You agree with me. Let's say right now, you're writing my job description. Wouldn't you agree that praying for the church, praying for the people, that's an important part? Would you agree or not agree? Would anyone say, hey, move that one out of the job description. I don't need the prayer. Like the one thing that everybody in the world says, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. I'm like, I don't know your name, but okay. Everyone wants pray for me, pray for me. Agree that you would feel gypped if your priest didn't pray for you. Agree? You would feel like that's not right. Like something's not right. Boot that guy. Bring a new guy in. Someone who's good at praying for us. Agree? You want your priest to pray for you. Agree? In the Old Testament, the duty belonged to the priest. In the New Testament, the duty also belongs to the priest. But in a little bit different way. 1 Peter 2.5, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Who is this being written to? You. And me. And all of us. And twice in this chapter, 1 Peter chapter 2, he speaks to the church and says, y'all are a holy priesthood, and later he calls him a royal priesthood. So we agreed, a minute ago, we agreed, it's the job of the priest to pray. Everyone said, we job the, yeah, we job of the priest. I said, if there's no priest who's not praying, we boot him out. We said, yeah, we boot him out. Okay, well, congratulations. Congratulations, because in the New Testament, we're all priests. Not that we're all priests in the same way, but in the New Testament, the priesthood is different than the Old Testament. The Old Testament priesthood was, there was a wall between man and God, and the priest was the intercessor, was the person who could stand before God on behalf of the priest. That was in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus took down that wall, and now everybody has access. That's why we call that the general priesthood of the believers. That doesn't negate the sacramental priesthood of myself and other clergy, but that's a different. That's not because people can't pray for themselves. That's more of a, a sacramental and to offer up the, the sacrifices and a, an administrative and a pastoral. That's a different priesthood. The New Testament priesthood is different, like the priesthood that we have is different than the priesthood of Aaron. The priesthood of Aaron, which was an intercessory, that has been given to everybody. So I say, you should be fired if you don't pray. Y'all want to vote me off the island if I don't pray? Well, I'm going to vote you off the island if you don't pray. Because all of us have the duty to pray. And all of us have the duty to go before God for those who cannot go before God for themselves. Those who are too broken to pray, it is our duty to pray for them. Do you know that there's some people in this church? Do you know there's some people in this church who don't have anybody to pray for them? Do y'all believe that? Like, I still remember when that hit me the first time, someone sat with me, and I was talking to this person. And as I'm talking to this person, it was a younger person. I asked them about, you know, kind of their situation. And I realized they don't have one person praying for at least not that I know of. There's no father, no mother, like... There's some people who don't have anybody to pray for them. I don't know where I'd be without the prayers of my parents. I know my parents, if nothing else, pray for me every single day. I know that. And I know that who I am is a result of their, their prayers and their efforts. But a lot of people out there don't have parents to pray for them. A lot of people don't out there have brothers and sisters to pray for them. They don't have churches to pray for them. Who's praying for them? If we're not praying for them, who's doing that? In other words, welcome to the prayer team. Congratulations. 
Y'all just joined the prayer team today. Just by mere fact of you sitting here today, you are part of the prayer team. Because the duty in the New Testament to pray and intercede belongs to everybody. Just like everything in the church, the church is responsible for the Great Commission. Whose job is to do the Great Commission? The church is responsible that every creature should hear the gospel. Who's responsible? Me? I'm going to get to every single person and still have time to prepare my talk for Sunday? Like, that's not likely. But I'm, I got to get to everybody that I can, and you got to get to everybody you can, and you got to get to everybody, so that between all of us as a church, we reach everybody. The church has to pray for everybody. How, I'm not the priest who pray for everybody. I pray for some people. You pray for some people. And through, like, the communion of the body together, when you add it all up, then we should all be praying. There shouldn't be anybody and sitting in these seats who isn't being prayed for. When we all put it together, that's what the body should look like. That's the duty to pray. New Testament, Jesus goes beyond duty. The duty is you pray as a member of the body of Christ, but Jesus always takes it and fulfills it and says, okay, forget about duty. I'm going to show you the invitation and show you why you should not only feel like I have to pray, but I desire to pray for others. John chapter 15, verse 12. Jesus said his famous words before he ended up um, being uh, arrested and, and taken to the cross. He said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Let me ask you a question. Jesus said, you should love, we should love as he loved. How did Jesus love people? How would you summarize if you could come up with one word to describe the ministry, the work of the Lord Jesus Christ on this earth? I would say if I had to come up with one word to describe Jesus, I'm going to go to what Hebrews chapter 7 verse 24 says. The work of Jesus on a grand scale. He did lots of little things, but all under the umbrella. This is my job description. He, Jesus, because he continues forever has an unchangeable priesthood, saying he has this priesthood that we have. Or we have what he has, I should say, not the other way. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. You know what Jesus' role is on this earth? Or what his role is in, in the universe, I should say, between us and God? He's the mediator. He's the intercessor. And he came to this earth because man and God were separate, so he came to take us. That's what we always say. He took what is ours so that he could give us what is his. He took what is ours so that he could give us what is his. He came to lift man up, to intercede for man, and to be the mediator to bring man back to God. Ambrose, one of the church fathers, Ambrose of Milan, said the following. says, unless... He intercedes for us. There is no intercourse with God, either for us or for any of the saints. Unless he intercedes, there is no intercourse for us with God. Intercourse means like intimacy, okay, not in a funny way. Meaning that there's no chance of us knowing God if it's not for his intercession. So who is Jesus? Jesus is the great intercessor who comes down to us and says, okay, you, you want to know the Father, okay? Come, let me show you the Father. You want to pray to the Father, and your prayers are all, um, gimme, 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 gimme. Jesus says, okay, you know what? Let me be your advocate. The Bible says he's our advocate, like our lawyer, okay? You tell me, okay, and then let me kind of smooth it over with the Father for you. That's what he is. We say funny prayers, and then we say, in the name of Jesus, we pray these prayers. So what Jesus says is, okay give it to me and I kind of smooth it out and I kind of fix it up and I kind of give it to the Father in a nice way. Because your prayers are kind of funny and they're impure and they're selfish, but through Christ, our intercessor, he's the mediator, then they look righteous before God. That's why when we pray, we always pray in the name of Christ. We pray in his name. When we at the end of a prayer say, uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, we're not just saying it like a some people, we think of it like a magic charm. Like, you just, just say it at the end. It's like a good luck charm. Just say in the name of Jesus. Yeah, yeah, No, we don't just say it like a good luck, like a magic. We say it because our prayers, what we do when we put him in his name, it's as if he is the one interceding and asking for us. I'll give you an example. You come to me and say, um, give me your keys. I say, no. Why should I give you my keys? 
And then you come to me and say, in the name of Marianne, Marianne is asking for your keys. I say, okay, here's the keys. What else do you want? My wallet? Like, whatever. That's fine. She's already, it's fine. In the name of Marianne, I give you my keys. In your own name, get your own keys. Then I give you my car keys. But when you pray in the name, then you're saying, I'm not coming on my own. I'm coming. I was with Marianne, and she sent me to get this. But that's when we intercede, or when Christ intercedes for us. That's what it means that he is our advocate. Intercession, Christ's intercession was him coming to us and reconciling us to the Father. That's why I would say, if you want to be like Christ, and you want to serve like Christ, and you want to have a ministry like Christ, you must be an intercessor. Because that is his overarching title, is the one who intercedes and brings people to God. And if you don't accept this as your title, then you cannot say that you are fulfilling the ministry of Christ. In addition, I'll go even beyond that. Why even, again, beyond the duty? If you want to have intimacy with God next week, remember we said next week is the bedroom. If you want to have intimacy there, then you must be united here. But it cannot be that he is out in the field and he's working in the field and he's raking the leaves and he's mowing the lawn and he's doing and he's doing and he's doing and we're just sitting here saying, can you hurry up? Because I'd like to have some uh, alone time together. Can you hurry up? Well, if you want me to hurry up, then you want true intimacy, then you roll up your sleeves and you help me rake the leaves. And when there is unity here, there'll be unity here. And when this is disjointed here, this will be disjointed here. And in the end, if I say to you, you marry a new person, you know how they always say when you marry a person, you don't just marry the person, you marry their, you marry their family. Why? Because I can't go to my wife, and now we're married, and we love each other, and you're the best. And she says, okay, well, my family is struggling. And I say, what do I care? It's not none of my business. Hurry up and fix it. I can't say that. I accept her. I accept her family. And not that she, her family is the best. Okay, so I'm saying other people, okay? But other people might come with, with baggage, Okay, you marry the person, you marry the baggage. You marry their history. And Jesus comes, not with baggage of himself, but Jesus comes with a heavy heart because many people in his family are suffering. And yeah, he wants to focus and he wants to be here, but his heart is suffering. And you say, I don't care? And your heart doesn't ache for what his heart aches? It's going to be really hard to have this here if that's not there. If your heart is not aching the same way God's heart is, as I spoke earlier in the sermon today, love of God is manifest in love of others. And if our love for others isn't there, it's actually a sign that our love for God is weak. Like the way to fix this is to fix this. Because if I truly love God and I see one of God's children, and I know that his, like, you know what they say when, you're, when, you're, when you love someone? Like, for you to suffer is bad, but to watch a loved one suffer is worse. Isn't that what they say? Okay, that to watch someone, like someone who has a debilitating disease, that's bad. But the caretaker, his wife who takes care of him, or his, his, her husband who takes care of him, that, that's, or her, whatever, okay, that's the one who really has it hard. To watch someone that you love suffer, like, that's really hard. Well, if we're just watching God suffer and his heart break over, like I said, the state of the world today and the sin in the world and the corruption, and, and we just watch all that stuff and we don't care, then we say we love you. It's not right. Like, it's not matching. I can't love you and not ache when your heart aches. Like, even if I don't care, I don't care about whatever. Because you care, I care. Because you care, I care. I told you this with my kids. They care about stuff. I don't care. But because they care, I care. I don't care. But because they care, I care. You can't care about God and not care about what God cares about. That's enough with the cares. I hope that you're at least convinced on the need and the power and the duty to intercede. Now let's talk practical about the tools and the how-to. Because a lot of times we, tell me if this experience is shared by anyone else or just me. Uh, Father Anthony, pray for me and pray for me. And I'd say, you know what, I'm gonna pray for this person. Please God, 
you know, um, bless so-and-so and um, bless them. I'll be with them and bless them. Amen. Be with them, be with them, be with them, be with them. And bless them and bless them and bless them and bless them. And our prayers for others are just kind of be with and bless. And sometimes I feel God being like, uh, okay, uh, I am with them. Uh, check. Um, I already blessed them. Like, what's next? And we're just like, um, yeah, just be with them again. We don't know how to intercede for others. And I'm telling you, I'm the first one. This is a struggle for me. Especially, like I said, so many people ask me to pray for them that I struggle with this. And oftentimes, I'm honest, I'll confess, easiest thing is, bless so-and-so, 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 and everyone who asks me to remember them my prayers, amen. And it's kind of that blanket, okay, anyone who asks me to pray for them. And then a lot of times, I'll tell you, other, this is not good, the list, and I'll put the list in the list, and then the list is so long, and I'll say, I just kind of make the sign of the cross three times over the list, and you know what I'm saying? Like, like, and all those who are there. What I discovered is if you want to pray and intercede for others, you need three things. You need an attitude. You need a system. I'm a big systems guy. And you need a support, like customer support. If you're going to build something, you need an attitude when you go to start building. You need the proper tools, the instructions, and like a system. Then you need a customer support line as well. We'll talk about each one of those in sequence. First, what attitude you need to have? Beyond a shadow of a doubt, the number one attitude to have for intercessory prayer is persistence. One of the best intercessors who ever walked the face of this planet was a guy named Moses back in the Old Testament. And Moses used to stand in front of God, and he used to carry all the people. And God listened to Moses. And God would say, I'm going to get rid of these people. And Moses would say, no, God, don't get rid of them. Like, I'm interceding for them. What would God do? God would say, okay, that's fine, Moses. And Moses would come and say, God, man, these people are hungry. They need food. They need water. And what would God do? God would respond. Moses was a very, very powerful intercessor. His best picture of intercession comes in Exodus chapter 17, starting in verse 8. Story about one time where the people of Israel were going to war against a, a people called Amalek. Okay, and here's how the story goes. Now Amalek, bad guy, came and fought with Israel, Israel and Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men to go, out and, to go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill, and so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands, so Moses, the story is, as, as you see right here, Joshua went to fight, Moses on top of the hill watching. Moses lift up his hands like this and pray, and the people would start winning. And then all of a sudden, Moses put his hands down. People start losing. He lifted, winning. Drop it, losing. Don't tell me intercessory prayer doesn't work. Don't tell me the, the prayer of the priesthood doesn't make a difference. He could see the difference right in front of him. Problem is, he got tired of praying as, as, as easy. I mean, but Moses' hands became heavy. This is not an easy position to stand in for a long time. Hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him. He sat on a big rock. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and the people with the edge of the sword. Joshua fought, Moses prayed. Who had the harder job? Who had the harder job? Well, I'll just tell you this. Only one of them needed help. Only one of them, at the end of the story, was exhausted that he could no longer do his job on his own. I know it sounds weird to say. This sounds crazy. Because oftentimes, I always joke when we go on these mission trips, I always joke when we divide up into teams, and all of a sudden it's physical labor day, manual labor day, all of a sudden everyone wants to be the prayer team. I'll be the prayer team today. Y'all go out, I'll be the praying, and I'll be the prayer warrior, and everyone's a prayer warrior. And sometimes we use the prayer team as just the I want to do nothing, just want to sit on, on, on my couch and be the prayer team, and I'm the prayer warrior. Here, one guy fought, another guy prayed. I know it sounds crazy to say, but the guy who prayed had the harder job. You say, hey, wait a minute. I don't buy that. I'm going to look to my own experience, and I'm going to ask you about your experience. Which is easier to do? 
to help someone or to pray for that person. Really pray for that person. If you told me, hey, so-and-so, um, their car broke down and they're on the side of the beltway, someone needs to go pick them up. I don't care what hour of day, I don't care if I hate their guts, I'm going to get dressed, I'm going to go pick them up. If you tell me so-and-so's struggling in their marriage, can you pray for them 10 minutes every single night for this week? I promise you, the success of failure on that prayer will be much higher than the success of failure on the going to pick someone up. Would you agree or disagree? Yeah, it's easy to say a prayer. But I'm not talking about saying a prayer. I'm talking about praying for it. And I believe, as the scripture shows with Moses right here, is that praying for is harder work. You know why? You know why? I realize why, and I realize with myself. Because we like results. And we like to do things that show fruit and show productivity. If I go pick you up, I see you in the street, now I see you in your house, I did good. If I stand to pray for 15 minutes, I don't see any results. And all I see is, there's, there's still, was struggling yesterday and it's still struggling today. My kid was insane yesterday, he's more insane today. What's the benefit of this prayer? I don't see that it's producing any results. So we say, you know what? You know what we do? It's like a light switch. We click it, didn't work, click it again, say, okay, light switch doesn't work. Go get a flashlight. That's what we do. That's what we do with prayer. I prayed, didn't work. I prayed again, didn't work. Okay, let's try something else. Didn't work. Prayer needs persistence. The example that Jesus gave of prayers in Luke chapter 18 about a woman, Luke 18, 1. So then he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. And then he goes on to tell his parable about the persistent widow. The widow who went to the judge and said, give me this. Judge said, no. So what did she do? She asked again. Judge said, no. So what did she do? She asked again, and she asked again, and she asked again. She asked so many times. Eventually, the judge said, look, lady, I don't like you. I don't believe in what you're saying, but I need you to leave me alone. Take what you want. And the judge eventually said, I need to have peace. Leave me alone. And he gave her a request. And then the Bible says, like Jesus tells that story, and then he concludes it by saying, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? I told you all before, this verse, Luke 18, 8, when it says, will he find faith? He's not saying, will man have faith in God? He's saying, will man have faith in praying always and not losing heart? It's, a, it's, it's the parable, the intro, and the conclusion of the parable. Man ought always to pray and not lose heart. And then he gives a story, and he says, when man, when God comes, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find this persistence? Will he really find faith in prayer? Will he really find people who know that prayer is not turning on a light switch? Prayer is plowing the ground. Prayer is not a switch. Prayer is I go and I see rocky soil. So I start hammering away. And I work for four hours on it. And then I go to sleep and I come back the next day. And what do I do? I hammer some more. And I hammer some more. Then I go to sleep and I come and I hammer some more. And that's the way the attitude we need to have towards prayer, especially those prayers that you know are difficult. If the ground is easy, a couple smacks with the hammer, solved. But when that ground is rough, tough soil, it needs persistence in prayer. When the Son of Man comes, will he really find people who believe in this process of breaking up the soil? Or will he find people who just, I flicked a switch, it didn't work? Moses was lucky because Moses had the visual. Moses could see it. Moses would lift and he would see it. Our eyes haven't been open to see it in that way. But that's why the New Testament says we walk by faith, not by sight. Moses could see it, but we got to believe that the same prayer he said, the same prayer we say. And the same God who listened to that prayer, same God who listens to our prayer. And the same way when we pray, people win. When we stop praying, people lose. 1 John 5, 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. First thing we need is we need persistence. Second thing we need is we need a tool. I'm a believer in systems. Okay, those who know me, I like structure, I like systems. I want to share with you a specific system of intercessory prayer, which is called prayer cards, which you don't have to use my system. I'm not saying this is the system that works. I'm saying this is a system that works for me. And I found this to be very successful for me, but whatever, to each his own. 
I'll tell you what I don't think works. I don't think flying by the seat of your pants works. I don't think, you know, I'm inspired today. So I'm going to pray for that marriage. I'm going to pray for that one. I'm going to pray for that friend. I'm going to pray for that single person. I'm going to pray for that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, all that kind of prayer. And the next day, I'm not feeling, so I don't pray. The next day, I'm not feeling. The flying by the seat of your pants will one day yield great results, but one day yield nothing. And it will not give you the persistence that you need in the long term. So what I believe is we want to have more consistency. We need a system. The system that I'm advocating is prayer cards. Prayer cards is better than prayer list. What a prayer card is, okay, and I'm going to show you some sample prayer cards. In the, actually, I'll show you right now. Okay, These are, this is a sample prayer card. Okay, Right now, when, like, my system, I have several prayer cards, several meaning like 7, 8, 9, 10, something like that, like 10,000 of them, and each one has a specific purpose. So one example that you would pray for is like your child, and the way I do it, okay, is you would put, you wouldn't put my kids, you'd put your kid's name, okay? You have a person, you have a verse, and then you have requests. So the first thing you do is you label at the top the person you're going to pray for. Your family... Each of my family members has their own card. Marianne has a card. Michael has a card. Lizzie has a card. After that, there's groupings. Okay, so I might pray for, as you'll see in a little bit, like I'll show you an example of like sick people. And that sick people card will have several sick people with their, maybe there'll be like marriage, you know, marriages that are or relationships, I should say. And then there'll be one for like, I'll show you some of the different ones. But with each one, I put a Bible verse, and the reason why I like putting a Bible verse is because it allows the Word of God to work for you. So you go through the Scripture, you find a verse that kind of fits that situation. So the verse, you know, a sample one if you, for a person you're praying for is I would pray that my child would grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Okay? And then some just like bullet points of things that I'm praying for. Spiritual growth, maturity and self-controlled school, Times tables and basketball tryouts. This is not my real card for my kid, okay? For sake of their privacy, I wouldn't actually show you what they are, but that you get the concept. The whole point is, I want to pray for this person, okay? I want to pray for this couple. I want to take a snapshot of where this couple is and where they are right now and what it is this couple needs. Why I like prayer cards better than a prayer list. Like I said, the list is just the sign of the cross. This allows you to update more frequently. This allows you to be able to say, you know what, there's white space at the bottom, you can write, and that's the way my cards are. I start like this, and then I write in something in there that say, like, situation with friend. And it's just like one word here or there that reminds you of the situation that you are praying for. It also allows you, sometimes you feel guilty, like erasing people off the prayer list. You feel like, how can I remove them? This way, you just get rid of the card, bring a new card. You know what I mean? Because life changes. Like, it's not like a big deal when you do it that way. I'll give you some other examples. Suffering and hurting. I love this verse, Psalm 147, verse 3 and 4. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He counts the number of stars, calls them each by name. So maybe you could divide it and say those who are struggling physically, physical ailment, marital, and then maybe like lonely, right? And another card here, your life group, okay, or your friends or your inner circle. And then I just chose this verse, Ephesians 6:10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So you got your six people, you put life group, and you got the six names in your mind of the people in your life group, and you read this verse, and you're praying it, that God would protect them and let them stand strong. And then you pray for Joe Schmo, for Jane Schmo, for the entire group, like whatever it may be. Y'all understand the concept? Like the specifics, don't worry about the specifics. And in your, in your handout, I gave you like categories of, of cards that you can make, okay? Your family, that's a good category. And like I said, for my family, I would go each one an individual card. Because if I ain't praying for Michael and Lizzie, individually, not together, Michael has a card, Liz, like each one, they need their own. Like if the parent isn't praying, then who's praying? Okay? And my, like, like each one has a specific verse, and none of the verses that you saw right here. Each one I have a specific verse that's for them, that I'm praying for them. Same with my wife. And then um, suffering. On your handout, I put other categories. Non-Christians, like unbelievers in your life that you are praying for and pray specific things for them. Don't just pray like in general. Say, you know, Joe Schmo, that he would realize that you are God. Uh, Jane, that she would stop being bitter towards you and begin to like reconcile that relationship, whatever it may be. Uh, big one, church leadership. 
Okay, the Bible commands us to pray for our church leadership, and I'm going to advocate that one more than anybody else. Put your church leadership, your priest, okay, those people in your church that lead you, okay, we should pray for them so hopefully they can do a good job and not get canned. Work may be a category for you. Um, the other two I put is um, the world, okay, world problems, okay, maybe that's something that you're interceding for, for abused children, sexual, uh, sexually abused children, or you're interceding for rape victims, or you're interceding for the poor, whatever it may be. And then the last one, it's kind of like something I just threw on there, which isn't really intercession, but sort of is, is big dreams. You know, I like to, it's nice to put down big dreams that you may have for yourself or your church or your life, whatever it may be. I'll tell you how it is for me. I have right now eight cards, all right? Not 10,000, I have eight cards. And I do not pray all eight every day. Every day, I go four and four, four and four, okay? So I take the four and I go like thoughtfully, and prayerfully through it. And what I've discovered is that the more thought you put into the front end, the easier the back end will be. Meaning, don't just put down names. Because you're going to get to there and you're going to say, I don't know what to pray for this person. Put a lot of thought into the card. But if you put a lot of thought into it, and you've already written down the prayer, and it's well thought out, then you stand up when you're tired, and it's already written down there for you what it is that you're feeling and the sentiment that you want to pray. Does that make sense? The truth of the matter is, ever since I started doing this, I can be the first one to say, I've seen the benefit of it. You know what I've seen, the number one benefit? Is when I am praying for you, first of all, I feel much more connected to you. Even though we didn't talk, I feel connected. And I feel like we're closer. The other thing I feel is I can speak stronger. And maybe I'd be shy to say like, you know, you really should, but when I'm praying for you, and I know I'm praying, I'm sweating in prayer for you, no, then come here, I'm gonna have a word with you. And it's out of love because I prayed for you. Because if all I did is talk to you and discipline you or scold you or correct you, I don't pray for you, it's a lot easier. Okay? Prayer cards. That's your do-it-yourself homework project for this week. I encourage everyone to come up with three to five prayer cards. Don't worry if you don't, like, if you have the perfectionist mentality of, I have to think through, no, don't do it like that. Okay? Just start with three. And like I said, they may be your three family members. Nothing says you can't add one next week. Nothing says you can't add one the week after that. Get some momentum going. Don't waste six hours trying to come up with the cards. Okay, just try to get something down and then get some practice with it and you'll see how it goes. All right? So we talked about an attitude of persistence, a system of the cards. And then last, you need your customer support. You need to pray with Jesus. Our intercession, as I said, is the work of Christ. And you have to always remember that you are not going to just pray for the person, but the one who is behind you, who is praying, is actually Christ himself. And you then become an extension. You become the mouth of Christ. Because all Christ is doing, that's what that verse in Hebrews 7 said, is he lives to go before the Father and say, Father, please heal this sick person. Please mend this broken heart. That's what Christ is doing. He's interceding for us. And when you pray and you intercede, you remember that you are not alone, that you are doing the work of Jesus himself. Intercessory prayer, in the end, is not a duty that we do. Intercessory prayer is actually not about the person that we're praying for. It's about the God whom we serve. And it's about joining him in his work on this earth. When we get there, we will enjoy intimacy and it will be the best. But here, we're still in the field. We haven't punched out. We haven't clocked out of work yet. And yes, there'll be times where during work, we'll talk about next week, we will have that intimacy together. But for the most part, we're on this world, in this world to work until the, very, until the very last punch out. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's working, and we will join him in that work. Leave you with this final quote. I read in this nice book. He said, as members of one body, each is responsible for the health of the whole body. We have a duty to defend the life of the body. Jesus is the head. We are the body. As it says over and over and over, if there's a problem over here, my right hand doesn't say, I don't care about my left hand. Because if, if there's a problem in my left hand, my whole body is sick. You don't say, well, his left hand is a problem, but his right hand, no. My right hand is equally concerned as my left hand about this problem. And if there's a problem in the body of Christ, each of us, we become the, 
fellow laborer. We become Christ himself when we take it upon ourselves and we pray. And I believe that if I pray for who God puts on my heart, and you pray for who God puts on your heart, and everyone prays who, for God who puts on their heart. Like you don't pray what's on my heart. You pray what God puts on your heart. And you know what's going to happen? The entire heart of God will be covered. Not by any one person, by the completion of the body of Christ. Okay? Let's stand together and say a prayer now. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you for inviting us today to join hands with you and, and, and intercede for others. Lord, we're not very good at prayer, and we're not very good at asking for others, and, and, and we're not really very good for caring for much beyond ourselves. But I pray that you would give to us a true love for others, a love that's not like a humanitarian love, but like a divine love, that you'd fill our hearts with the same love that you have for others, for the lost, for the sick, for the hurting, for the blind, for those who are in need and those who are weak. Fill our hearts, Lord, with, with, with a divine love for them, that we can be your mouth, that we can be like your fellow laborer and intercede for others. Help each one of us this week to fight the distractions, to come up with our prayer list and put on each person's heart what it is that you want them to pray for and intercede for. We ask that you would accept this prayer and all the prayers which are offered in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints. Hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Have a great week, guys. See you all next week.